Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Nice. Look at how full it is in here. This is us getting back. Are you feeling it? Are you feeling the getting back into the swing of things? The weather helps, doesn't it? Like the door is shut on outdoor activity right now. Uh, The whole world outside is saying, it's fine. It's time to go get backpacks and pencils and take care of my responsibilities and get up on time. And um, I love to see Uh, The way things get restarted around here, Uh, churches, I've been saying for the past couple weeks, are a lot like schools. We run on this agricultural schedule that seems to just move America along, right? We know when we're supposed to get uh, restarted and get going again. And so over the next, just right now, today we've got small groups starting. That is a huge sign that we're getting back in the swing of things. And here in a couple of weeks, uh, all, all, already today, I've already met some university students coming, and I see some others over here and all our awesome interns. Uh, but over the next couple of weeks, a flood, a horde, you might say, of university students will come back to town, and we love it. We love what it does for our city, and we love what it does to this uh, body of Jesus followers. Uh, and then in October, just so you know, too, we'll kick off, we tend to kick off like a big fall series uh, in October. And this year, brace yourself, it's going to be good. Uh, we're kicking off a series through the book of Isaiah that we will actually go through most of, will define most of what we teach for next year. And Tim and I have been working hard at getting that uh, broken down into bite-sized chunks that you can really understand. It will be great for this community, and we're super excited about it. So uh, you could be praying with us as all those things happen. Pray for the students coming back, and for what it looks like in this community, and for where we're going to put more chairs, and for the start of this Isaiah series. Um, in the meantime, then, uh, while we still have a little time together for insider talk, Uh, we're going to spend this next month um, talking about what we believe as a staff and I hope just as a body that God has in store for this community um, over the next few years. In fact, everything I say this morning, I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, do we have to do that in the next three weeks or something? Uh, This is, we want to begin moving this direction uh, over the next three years, and the staff, before I talk about anything today, I spent six months praying and thinking and working uh, through what this might look like, and this month we're excited to kind of fill in what it means when we talk about being a hub of hope. Uh, one of the important things for any group of Jesus followers is we follow Jesus together, and this makes us a collective is that it's important that we regularly kind of check in to make sure that we are headed in the right direction together. And part of that means just making sure we're still moving, by the way. Uh, Stasis is easy, right? So uh, it's a pilgrim journey. So we're on our way somewhere. So making sure that we're in motion, that we're in motion in the right direction that we're in motion in the right direction for the right reasons. And anything that's in motion needs recalibration. That's just the nature of it. And so a body like this has to check in every now and then and say, hey, are we 
moving? <laughs> and are we moving where we want to be going? And are we moving where we want to be going for um, all of the right reasons? So about six months ago, we introduced this hub of hope idea for the first time at our annual business meeting. And then we put out these brochures that some of you got uh, as you came in this morning. But if you didn't, feel free to grab one today. And if you open it up, uh, it will explain more about some of the pieces that we'll be talking about uh, over this month. But um, six months ago, I said, hey, here's some of the general ideas uh, that we'll be talking about. Um, and then we talked about six months from now, uh, we will kind of relaunch Hillcrest into a new season. And that involved a couple of components. One, it meant that we were changing the name just the tiniest little bit too, uh, both to give us a new season ahead, and we hope to be a more accurate portrayal of who we are too, to honor who we have been, but to set ourselves ahead, not as a location, but as a movement under Hillcrest Church. And so some of you have already seen over the past six months, both the name and the treatment. You've probably noticed it leaking out, uh, both the kind of image is falling out in all sorts of different places. But um, all month, uh, you'll see this each week, there'll be something new. You'll see something else kind of roll out uh, new components to the tools that we use for worship around here and more places uh, where this begins to find its way. So the first time we rolled out some of these ideas, including the name, I said, now what we're going to do is we're just going to hit the pause button and we're going to sit on it for six months. And we're going to have conversations about it. And we're going to ask good questions about it. And we're going to decide whether or not we're making worthwhile changes around here. By the way, thank you. Uh, many of you asked great questions and brought good conversations to the table, and it was really worth taking the time. Well, uh, six months ago, that seemed like an eternity, like that we would be doing this in six months, and now time works that way. Six months just seems like a wisp of moments. Uh, here we are in September and actually beginning to take the steps in making these changes. So the other thing that I talked about, like I said, six months ago wasn't just, and I think this is a small thing, uh, that has some impact, but it's not really what we want to be focused on. The thing we're really focused on is this hub of hope idea. Uh, and, uh, and beginning to spell out. So like I said, six months ago, we gave you a little bit of what this looked like, but we promised when we got to this season, we'd begin to like fill in the gaps. What, is, what, what hope are we extending? What does it mean to be a hub of hope? Why are there arrows all over everything, right? Uh, arrows in, arrows out. Somebody told me it looked like a traffic circle, which I thought uh, would be a great example or metaphor for what we we're trying to get at, at Hub of Hope. So that's what we'll be doing this month. Uh, with God's goodwill and grace, we hope expounding and explaining something that we feel God is doing in our community, not something that we have made up. Something that is an expression of who we are and where we're headed, and we want to faithfully participate with him in uh, what he's doing. So like I said, you can find all of those in there, but the pillars of Hub of Hope are written all over the place. So you'll see them to invite, to include, and to inspire. That for three years, at least, uh, as we begin to unpack becoming a Hub of Hope, it will be built on those three pillars. And that's what each week will be about, how we invite, include, and inspire which means at the most basic level, what I mean when I say hub 
of hope in that little traffic circle thing that you're used to seeing now is that I mean that both the actual and proverbial doors of our community are increasingly open in a warm and genuine invitation. Um, all communities are naturally insular. You know, they get, they get to know each other, and it's easy to be, stay kind of tucked in. And this is part of the first part of being a hub of hope, is just kind of lifting up our heads and opening, like I said, both actual and proverbial doors into our homes, into our community, and into this church. It also means making sure that those who feel invited into this community also feel included in this community, uh, that when they find themselves here, one of the great assets of Hillcrest is a very tight-knit community, which is awesome if you're already tightly knit in. But it's difficult if you were standing outside, right, that tightly woven cloth. And so how do we include people in the meaningful community, the kind of shared life that we want in small groups uh, that yields growing up together and yields an alignment with God that creates an enjoyment of faith so that we're inviting them in. And I don't just mean here, but in, in all the areas that we touch, in our homes, in our lives, uh, an invitational spirit that is also including the people that we invite in. Uh, but Hub of Hope also hopes for a little more than that. Um, I think that to invite and to include describes a healthy body of Jesus followers. But I think that what I want to do is push us a little further into the next missional step for this community of believers. That Hub of Hope hopes for more than just that we'll be healthy and invitational and head up and inclusive. But we, because that is the, like the foundation of what a church is. But we also want to inspire a fresh, a new creative season of the kind of spiritual entrepreneurship that has defined the history of Hillcrest Church. That kind of listening to God, following an idea, and taking an idea and making it into something that transforms this community and transforms the world around it. So that for me, Hub of Hope begins to paint this image that makes a little bit of sense of the arrows. That a hub of hope is an open door that is drawing people in. Think of a traffic circle. It pulls people in. It sends people out. When we go out and we create hubs of hope in our community, it will gather people there. And then by nature, regather them back into this hub. And so I have in my mind's eye this organic, this breathing thing that is the body of believers that is constantly drawing in and sending out and creating hope and drawing back in like a vortex, like a traffic circle, like that thing, somehow demonstrating the sending in, drawing in, um, this kind of breathing mechanism of sharing, of exporting, of strategically sending hope. <laughs> People need hope. Like what they don't need right now is another reason for us to exclude them. 
they need like to know that the church brings the hope of Jesus Christ and isn't so bothered with what it's doing itself that it's willing to send it out. This is the missional capacity that is greater than just being a healthy gathering of people. That it would invite and include, and I hope, begin to inspire a new season of that kind, like I said, of spiritual entrepreneurship that has already defined Hillcrest. And I don't mean like, I didn't notice I didn't say new generation or young. I want the dreams and ideas to spring out from whoever they spring out, from whoever God is speaking to. I think most of you already know that Hillcrest Church has an amazing and long history of shining light and bringing hope into this community. I've said, all I want to do is inspire with us together a new season of the same kind of spiritual entrepreneurship that we have always had. Think of it. In 1974, Brady Bobbink and his team launched Campus Christian Fellowship, which has been a stunningly powerful, incalculably effective ministry. I, I, I can't, sometimes I'm going to say today, do the math on lives impacted. Impossible. It's impossible that you would do it. And it was born right here out of obedience. Hillcrest Community Services, you may not even know if you're new around here that we do this, but this includes all of the distributed benevolence that we send all over the city six days a week. It looks like food and supplies and rent and bus tickets. You know what it actually is? Hope. It's extended hope. That happens all week long while you're at work or doing other things. Our resources together export hope all over this community. That also means that the Southside Food Bank that's next to us, thousands of pounds of food go out a month. That is exported strategic entrepreneurial hope to our community. Somebody had to have the idea and build it up. It had to be in a place. Somebody has to organize it. Ask Cynthia. It doesn't just pop out of the air and end up in people's hands. She does an extraordinary amount of work to get hope extended out. Um, Bridges Counseling Center, born here. Dancing for Joy, which I didn't know about, but somebody told me about an amazing, thriving organization that impacts the lives of hundreds of girls all over our region was started in those seats, right there, by somebody just like you who listened to God. God gave them a burden about something that he loved and they began to do something with it. What about Hillcrest Kids? I mean, especially if you're new around here, did you know that there's more than 150 kids enrolled in our preschool downstairs? This is a top-rated, uh, specifically designated to making sure that we give the best possible quality education to everyone in our community with a specific focus on those who are in need. And it's happening downstairs all the time. How could that be? Because somebody had a burden for what God had a burden for. Children did something with it. And now, can you imagine, what if we tried to do the math on what happens down there? Add up all the students, all the student years, all the dedicated teachers, all the impacted parents. You can't, you, we can't figure out how much hope has been created one little human being at a time. Um, this church has tried radio stations, artist studios, probably lots of other stuff that I've never even heard of, uh, not to mention the countless other little things that people do all the time without mention. I thought of Camille Selleck. 
And I think she's here this morning, but she grows these beautiful flowers and then she packs them up and then she drives around and delivers them to people's homes. And I think she must know that what she's taking is beauty and hope. That she's literally delivering hope. That she had an idea, God put a burden on her heart at something that she loves, and she exports hope. Um, 25 years ago, this church launched one of the earliest royal family kids camps. Early adopters into that. This was my first uh, time I got to work or volunteer at the camp. I was simply blown away with the impact of this ministry. Um, Again, I, I find... The transformative, life-giving, death-thwarting, hope-filled mathematics of this ministry impossible to calculate. Um, How do you add up the lives of counselors, kids, parents, foster parents, community partners, state workers, vendors, and volunteers? How many lives have been impacted? More than you could ever possibly know. The multiplication of hope is overwhelming, and it's simply because somebody had the obedience to participate in something that God put on their heart, they believed in it, took the next steps, they went through all the difficulty of doing it and stayed with it. I was reading a a Facebook post post from uh, Justin Koyster this week, who is at Eastern Washington University in a graduate study program to learn to give back, and do you know where he got hope, where it was instilled in him, where he grew up? Royal Family Kids Camp! (laughs) I mean, look at the gigantic, how many lives will he impact now? Again, the, the sort of hope exported by simple mathematics of obedience is stunning to me. Now, for me, the list just goes on and on. What if we considered Treasure Land Kids and 412 Youth Ministry? I see Dan sitting back there. He can't stand in the lobby without people coming up and hugging him. Uh, people come in, adults come up and hug him because he impacted their life eight years ago. And now how many lives have they impacted on top of that? Treasure Land kids, could we even figure out the simple thing going on stairs? Somebody had a burden for children. What if they hadn't? Think of all the lives that have been impacted there. And so profoundly proud to belong to this body of believers. One of the reasons that my family was so glad to move here is we knew we were moving into a community that took seriously its work to be outside of this building. And we found this profoundly deep and mature and missional heart and looked at all of these programs and noticed the local and global missionary work and our strategic partners in our community and thought to ourselves, this is a church that is active in its mission. This would be an honor to be involved with. And again, uh, I, I I am delighted with this church and how it has sheltered and shielded itself in the midst of a trying season. And it has continued to do these things, but it is on an upswing of God-inspired momentum right now. God is doing things with this community that are fun to lean into, fun to scramble and figure out. And I am beginning to hope that he wants to lean us out into a new season of that kind of spiritual entrepreneurship. Because even though I read this profoundly inspiring list, and even though things are happening, I say gently, many of them find their genesis and their founders 25 years ago out of a great missional movement from this community. And it is time again for us to lean forward and open our hearts and our imaginations for what God wants to do next, to create the systems that will scaffold and support people who have those dreams. 
I had coffee with Tim Vale this week, and he said, if you want to give somebody a dream, remind them that from dream to completion is about 20,000 steps of obedience. Like, it's not like, hey, I had a dream, boom, it happened. Ask somebody who started any one of these ministries how many hurdles, how many hiccups, how many backups, how many fall downs they had to go through before this thing came to fruition. And it strikes me, friends, that we are in a unique position to plant transformative seeds, to be a hub of spiritual entrepreneurship, and to support a healthy culture of dreamers who are listening to God and we are surrounding them. And the reason we're in that unique position is, one, we're a well-established church that's vitally growing. I don't know if you know how rare that is, but we've got roots and we're growing. That is increasingly hard to find. We are well-staffed. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but Kathy in the lobby, Tim as our teacher in spiritual formation, Carlo over all of the creative work that we do, Dan personally, and I, I won't say everybody, but Shelly Nebel, uh, what an outstanding team of people. This is a great team of people to lead us into the future. And finally, I want to say, we have zero debt. Now, that doesn't, yes, an applause is the exact correct answer to that. We have no debt. We have good savings and we have solid income. You could make a list of churches in that position on a piece of paper this big. Which means instead of struggling and laboring under a crushing debt or deferred maintenance, we are in a position to gather and secure the resources we need so that when somebody says, I have a dream, we say, we can help. Um, later this month, I'm going to explain ways that we will build the systems that will allow us to do it. But I'm excited to be able to say to somebody who has a dream, I, I feel I have grown up 20 years in, 25 years in ministry now, um, a lot of times saying to somebody, they're like, I've got a great idea. And I have to say, that's a super great idea. You should do that. Because I, I can't possibly take it on, right? And what I want to do is put it back in their pocket. But what if the church could switch and say, that's a great idea. Why don't you let us come alongside you and pray about that? Think about it. Think through the questions for you a little bit. Let's see if maybe we can help you make it happen. How cool could that be? And I don't know what answers will come up. I've started a creating a list of things that we might do. I mean, the list could be gigantic. That is up to you. And I don't know if there'll be big ideas or little ideas. I don't know if somebody's sitting out there with the next idea that is a bobbing idea. Or I don't know if it's simply like, I'm going to start making cookies intentionally for my neighbors. Both of those will be obedient. Both will be the big story that Tim talked about last week. And both will be exporting hope. All I really want to do is create a season, like I said, where hearts and imagination are open. Where people said, okay, it's kind of terrifying. Be careful when you say this. It's like praying for patience. He'll give you a reason to test patience. So if you say to God, okay, I'm opening my heart, I'm listening, is there something that breaks your heart that you would like me to do? Carefully pray that. Because if he begins to break your heart for something, he might give you an idea for something to do, and we might come alongside you and begin to express that with you. We are positioned to share hope, to share hope, to ultimately share Jesus. And I want to say this, to help make a difference and not just be different. The church has done a lot of defining itself with being different. We are not like that. We don't do that. And it could get back to the restorative work of making that difference. 
Um, the Bible paints this stunning picture of what this looks like, how we as individuals and as a body um, hold and export and share and rebuild and regather what that, how it is we take hope with us. And as I begin to explain it, I went online to see if I could find a pictured image that somebody had painted of this or some idea that would capture what I'm trying to say, and nobody has created anything like it. So if you're an artist and you think, I could paint that, that's not it, by the way, but I'll explain it in a second. <laughs> Somebody's like, I could totally paint that. It looks like it was made out of Legos. Uh, <laughs> here's the image, and the image begins, uh, it begins in Eden, but it really finds its expression in the tabernacle and then the temple, which is in Jerusalem. And the way the Bible speaks about it is that Jerusalem is the middle of the world, and in the middle of the middle is the temple. The middle, the heart middle of the middle, and what it says is from the middle of the world is the presence of God. In fact, it's calling, instead of just calling it the middle, it calls it the navel of the earth. Isn't that funny? The na- like the middle where it flows out, and it says from the navel of the earth which is on the holy mountain and at the temple, does the presence of God flow out? It's an image. Imagine like pouring down from heaven is light and water, like right, the presence of God upon the earth, restorative help upon the earth. It's the image that has worship goes up and the presence of God pours out. Um, It's exactly the image that they're picking up on both uh, Ezekiel and Zechariah when they describe life-giving water flowing out of the temple and what it does. Um, Again, uh, Ezekiel's constantly calling the temple, like chapter 38, the middle, the navel of the earth, and right there in the middle of it all. But it says, beginning in chapter 47, that uh, a man, this angel who's showing Ezekiel this vision, brings him to the entrance of the temple, and there he saw water coming out from the navel under the temple toward the east. And then the angel gives him this vision of this increasingly growing river. And he describes it beginning in verse 7. It says, Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region and goes down towards the Arabah, the desert, where it enters the dead, and underscore dead, sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And he means this juxtaposition. Life will come to what was dead. Fishermen will stand along the shores. If you ever seen the Dead Sea, you would see how absurd this image is. From Engedi to Eneglam at the south end, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Let me summarize. Everywhere the river flows, life will flourish. 
In Zechariah chapter 14, verses 4 and 8, he sees when the Messiah returns to earth, he stands on the Mount of Olives. The mountain splits in two and water, fresh water pours east to the desert and west out to the Mediterranean Sea. Life-giving water from the source now being the Messiah. It says, on that day there will be one Lord and he will be his people and living water will flow out. Um, It's precisely what they're celebrating in John chapter 7 at the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, During the Feast of Tabernacles, priests come up, they come to the steps of the temple, and they pour out these huge vessels of water as an expression of this vision, right? They have to make it happen, but someday living water will flow from this location outward. And in that moment, Jesus walks up, John chapter 7, while they're pouring out water, he looks at the people and he says, are you yet still thirsty. Are you still thirsty? He says, because whoever comes to me, ready for this? Maybe it'll only be exciting to me, the nerd, and maybe Tim. (laughs) Because whoever comes to me, living water will pour out of their navel from their middle. Now to you're like, well, that sounds weird. To those who heard it, what he did is just switched the presence of God from the sacred temple to every restored human being. He just said, no longer will light, hope, and living water flow only from the temple, but my presence will be distributed into all of my people. Living water, which I am the living world, will flow out of you, out of your navel, out of the middle. And wherever that living water goes, life will flourish. This is part of what's happening in Acts chapter 2, and it says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on them so that my spirit will pour out of them, right? So we've got light on their heads. He is the light. And then we see the Holy Spirit says the living water that pours out of them is the Holy Spirit. You see the Holy Spirit pouring out of them on the southern steps of the temple. Hello? So they become the fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision of living, flourishing, life-giving water coming not just from the temple, but from everybody who is restored by Jesus Christ. Every one of us who follows him becomes a fount of living spirit water. I think, what does that say? I mean, it means that when we are assembled here, we are meant to be a veritable fountain of hope. Like, right? Assembled, if each one of us has living water, here we are, we're a fountain of hope. It means that when we are sent out, we are distributed restorative flood of hope that embodies the kingdom of God that is in that already, not yet time. Wherever we go, we restore. And this is a hub of hope. It is inviting people in to living water. It is including them in living water and is taking living water and hope wherever we go. Into, I want you to think about like everywhere you go, living water goes with you. So when you go into hardware sales, or you go to get ice cream at Mallard's, or you're getting a haircut, or you go out to eat for lunch after this, the image that God has for his restorative flood from humble beginnings is that it comes through you and I. That when you go into a restaurant, instead of harassing and making the waiter grit their teeth, they come out thinking, life has been here, right? Uh, uh, A lecturer that Tim and I have been listening to says, you want to be the presence of God out in the world? Tip better. Right? I mean, there you go. There's a simple thing. Wherever you go, export 
hope with you. And then we become this force of restoration. From a tiny mustard seed comes this great restorative flood. From the tiniest thing imaginable, an itinerant preacher in Podunk, Galilee, comes the flourishing of this great tree that provides life and hope for everybody. This great movement of restoration, this flood of living water, this exporting of light, gathered a feast, a beacon, a refuge, an oasis, scattered heads up, mouths open, God listening, on mission, founts of water, and then grabbing people out there and regathering them in here to teach them the same thing. So that we become this cycle, this organism, this hub, what do you want to call it? Hub of hope, this place that draws them in, gathers them, sends them out, and regathers them over and over. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us what I think is a great summative image for this, that you and I take living water, light, and hope wherever we go. He looks at his believers who he tells them, you are about to do greater things than even I. Can you imagine how astonishing that is? Because he's going to say about the next most astonishing thing he can say. He might, you might expect him to say, I am the light of the world. They know that about him. He turns and says, you are the light of the world. They, they, know, they understand him. He says, I send you out to be the light of the world. You are to be, and this is a pun and I mean it, a hill crest, right? A, a light on a hill crest. You are meant to be the light of the world, exported, shined out, sent to others. And what it says there in Matthew 14 Uh, Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world, and when you live that way, when you live as light, people will see the way you live, your good deeds, and then they will glorify our Father in heaven. That it will be the way you go out as a force of restoration that creates glory for God. Um, Here's how I'd like to end a little bit of this today, this first session. And I need a couple of volunteers. Can I get a couple of volunteers for each section? Yeah, just jump up. Come on, just grab a couple of these. Uh, This is a bracelet. Now, I'm going to go ahead and admit, this color didn't come out quite the way I hoped. (laughs) But that doesn't matter. It's not a fashion statement. There's more. If you need it. Jill, you take another one? Um, Go ahead and grab one of these as those are handing around. There's another one here. If you don't get one or somebody else wants to grab it. And the central idea that is included there and included in this vision that we are light is that Jesus means to restore his creation by us. He will come and be its ultimate restoration. But in the meantime, he has sent us out, living water pouring from your navel, light and hope. He has made you a flame on top of your head, a light to the world. Gathered, again, we are a great beacon. But he sent you out to be a light to the nations, to live a big story, Tim said, to take the tiny mustard seed and make it large. Uh, When you get this little bracelet, I'm going to ask if you would, and you don't have to, but if you would, I'd love, and everybody can take one, kids, everybody, to wear it. You'll see it says Hub of Hope on there, Matthew 5, 14 through 16 on the other side. And I found myself touching it a lot this week. Uh, As a reminder, I'm not just shopping, I'm exporting hope. I'm not just having dinner with people. I'm bringing hope. I'm not just meeting with students. I'm exporting hope. I'm not having a staff meeting. We're creating hope. Everywhere I go, this is about living as light, as living water poured out. Strategically creating 
sharing, restoring, and making hope. Would you wear the bracelet and pray it through with us? Just think. Not too many years ago, Shirley and Brady were sitting there. We know now that they have made a tremendous impact on this world because of their faithfulness. But not too many years ago, they were just kids with an idea. And nothing could have happened. That would have been the most likely thing, that they had an idea and nothing happened. Except for they didn't ignore the need, and Bob Stone believed in them. And he came along, and together... They have built a ministry that has impacted thousands upon thousands upon thousands of life. All because we believe that Jesus can share his hope through us, gathered, scattered, and regathered in a hub of hope. Jesus did not come to earth just as a truth-declaring king, but he stepped into his creation as a participant to secure, embody, and share hope. He incarnated into the world to lead us into the next. And so this is our shared call, not just to step up, but to step in, to participate, to engage the need, to make a difference and not just be different, to organize, to share light, life-giving water, to be a hub of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 1400 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.